Hello, hello, beautiful people of the world. Welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. And yes, I am extremely happy because as you all know, the return of Connor, the destroyer, not the dark destroyer, that's his father, but the destroyer, Connor Ben, is back in the ring. And I know the haters are mad. I keep seeing the comments. I keep seeing egg emojis. I keep seeing egg gifts. People are tight that he is back in the ring. I, for one, am excited because, one, he proved the haters wrong. Two, we know how well he can box, and we know for certain he has power behind his hands. Now, a lot of people want to make the argument, oh, Conor Ben's not a boxer, he's a brawler, he doesn't really box very well, but I feel differently. I feel like he's a very, very clean-cut hybrid of those two. I feel like he can box very well on the outside, and he can close distance very well. I think his fight against Chris Van Heerden is a great example of how well he can cut the ring off, how well he can box from outside, and just how well he can use his opponent's momentum against themselves. But if you feel otherwise, feel free to drop a comment, DM me, or go ahead and hit the DQ with Damani website to get in contact with me personally, and we can talk it out. Let's talk some boxing. So it's kind of absurd to me how Eddie Hearn has to keep coming out in public defense of Conor Ben saying, oh, man, he's cleared to box. He's cleared to box. He's cleared to box. And then yesterday for the hundredth thousandth time, he's cleared to box yet again. I don't understand what the public isn't fully getting about this situation. You had a situation where a fighter allegedly tested positive for something. There was contamination within the lab. The lab did not process the urine and blood samples properly. They're saying they found something in the sample. There is a contest from Connor Ben and his people saying that you guys didn't do the test correctly at all. You didn't store the urine or blood correctly at all. I want to know what happened with my blood and my urine because it came from my body. I deserve to know. And I also deserve to contest the fact that you're claiming that I tested positive for something. The court case ends up going all the way. The WBC responds first. The WBC says through its own distinct investigation, they found out that there was no clomiphene. It was eggs. Connor Ben comes out and says, yeah, thank you, WBC. I really appreciate the fact that you guys are coming to my defense. But the eggs thing, I don't we don't really know. We don't really know. So. People are making fun of Conor Ben that week about eggs, saying, oh, man, the WBC, they're saying that they found uh, uh, a high amount of eggs. He was eating a whole bunch of eggs. Oh, man, he was eating a whole lot of omelets, huh? Were they fried or scrambled? You got that situation. Then, finally, Conor Ben comes out, releases a statement saying, hey, we ended up going to court. I respect the WBC for saying what they said. I respect all the fans coming out and defending me in public on the public forum. But now all of the allegations can be put to rest. I did not test positive for any steroid. UCAD and the British Boxing Board of Control are corrupt. We know what's been going down with them. I did not test positive for anything. I am now cleared to box. But I'm not going to be trusting the British anymore. So I'm going to be fighting in America. I'm going to be fighting in Saudi Arabia. I'm going to be fighting everywhere else because I know that these guys are corrupt. There is no use fighting in these areas 
because I know now from this situation, this whole clomiphene egg, whatever you want to call it situation, has gotten so extreme that I'm done with fighting in the aisles, which I respect. I respect Conor Ben for making that decision. I respect him even more for taking such a massive leap across the pond, especially fighting in Orlando. That man is fighting in Florida. Everybody knows that Florida is star boxing territory. Everybody knows that Florida is our boy, Don King's territory. Well, not exactly our boy. He's done some shady stuff in the past, but he's at least treated his fighters better. We've, you know, Bang Williams, a couple other guys under his stable he's been doing great work with. But can't give him full credit. Regardless of everything I just said, once again, that man is taking a massive risk coming here to America that quickly. Because as of right now, I can't even guarantee you guys that a lot of fans in America would be able to tell you who Conor Ben even is. Unless you're a diehard boxing fan, you are a boxer who's been fighting from the years maybe 2013 onward, you know who Conor Ben is. A lot of the older folks fighting from pre-2013, they mostly know Conor Ben because of his father. Guys, after 2013, they know Conor Ben because of Conor Ben. They don't know Conor Ben based upon prior experiences with the Dark Destroyer. Now, Nigel was a great fighter. Obviously, people are going to want to support his child. But it's very clear that Conor wants to make a name for himself. And that can't be done if people are riding on old nostalgia, which, of course, is fine. It's fine. It worked out for the presser between himself and Chris Eubank Jr. We know that nostalgia works. But... As for himself as an individual and putting credibility on his own name, not just Ben, Connor Ben, his own name, carving out his own lane, his own path for himself. It must be done through people knowing about him prior. So this fight here in Florida is a massive risk. And I want you guys to please, please, please support him. Please watch the fight. Put your money up, not your funny up. And show this boy some love because Conor Ben is taking a massive chance here. Man, shout out to my boy Cosmo. Cosmo, you really my mans. I hope you know that. You were a real day one because the times that we've talked about Richardson Hitchens, it's always been nothing but good things. And I want y'all to remember, yes, Richardson Hitchens, he hangs out with Tank. He hangs out with Adrian Broner. He hangs out with Shakur. He sparred Shakur. He's had great experiences with that entire boxing circle. So when people are saying that he's going to lose to Zepeda, I, I, I have absolutely no idea what to think. People must really think that this boy, Richardson Hitchens, <laughs> has no chin. And that's unbelievable because we know exactly how tough this man can be. We've seen him fight competition that is adequate for his level. Obviously, we know that Zepeda is a big step up. He's a big step up. Let's not sugarcoat it. He is. He had fight of the year, arguably, against Regis Progray last year. We know that he's a great fighter. But when you start to downsize the achievements of these prospects like Hitchens, people such as Bruce, Shushu Carrington, you really start to think like, yo, what's wrong with these dudes? What's going on? Because I've been seeing that so much. That's the one continuing trend between all of these guys. Even, Jah even Jahai Tucker, who I've trained with. All of these guys, the thing that they have in common is that whenever they take a step up in opposition, everybody who was just, you know, 
doing, doing tricks on it, you know, bouncing, you know, bandwagoning, are now saying, oh, man, this guy's going to get knocked out so fast. I can't wait for this guy to be humbled. When just two, three months ago, you were cheering for him. What's happening? Just because he's fighting a Mexican and not just any Mexican, a seasoned Mexican, you want to switch sides? That's crazy to me. Why can't you be loyal and stand on what you're saying rather than just switch up? And I'm sorry I'm taking such a, a wide approach to this, a wide attacking approach to this, and I'm not very like good at narrowing it down right now because this is a widespread narrative. I have to attack this head on and I have to combat this narrative head on because it really frustrates me seeing this happen over and over and over and over again. And even though I don't like Ryan Garcia that much, the same thing happened to him. And that's ridiculous. What is it going to take for these prospects to get their credit? Each of them, they all have their own issues. Of course, naturally, they all have their own issues. We know Lorenzo Truck Simpson, he has to get his left hand up. We know that. We know that. But that doesn't mean you start counting these guys out automatically and just start trashing them. Because Richardson Hitchens, he is a great fighter. I've seen him do great work in the ring, whether that's sparring professional fights, amateur fights. Hitchens has always produced great work. And it's very frustrating to see that happen repeatedly, especially to him. Like, that's crazy to me. Even stepping out with a big old Cuban link, ice on his wrist, about to fight for the WBC Silver Championship, WBO, NABO Championship, IBF North American Championship. He still got to deal with this? That's crazy to me. It's time to put some respect on Richardson Hitchens' name. Also on the undercard of this massive Richardson Hitchens fight is our girl. Yes, Jessica McCaskill. I'm very happy that she was very, very outspoken about the Alicia Baumgartner situation. She risked her entire career. Of course, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, they had to silence her, so they sent her a little cease and desist. Don't talk about our urine and blood test samples and why we screw with them. And why our fighters test positive? Don't do that. Thank you. And unfortunately, she had to comply. But regardless of that, she still has a massive unification fight against Sandy Kathy Ryan, the WBO world champion at welterweight. I'm excited for this one because once she unifies with Sandy, there is only one fight left in the weight class, and that is Natasha Jonas. I cannot wait for Jessica to become undisputed. I cannot stress this enough. She's a great world champion. She's very outspoken about how she feels about the drug testing in the sport and the way that it's going right now. Of course, like I already said, she put her career on the line for her good friend, Alicia Baumgartner. And I love to see black women supporting other black women. Yes. Yes. Can we get more of that in this sport, please? Aside from Franchon and Clarissa, we need some more. We need some more support, man. Beautiful black women in this sport deserve it. I'm telling you. All jokes aside, though, I do love Michaela Mayer. She's great for the sport as well. I hope that the trajectory is Jessica McCaskill versus Sandy Ryan. She takes out Ryan, takes out Natasha Jonas, becomes undisputed, and then Michaela Mayer is the first challenger. If not for the fact that she might fight her before she undisputes. Either way, I really want to see that fight. I want to see it badly. And I know that Michaela Mayer is across the street, but of course, 
As we all know, a lot of guys are going to say, wait, 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 co-promotion, co-promotion. Obviously, we know that co-promotion is a feasible option. However, the way things are looking between top rank, Matchroom, zone, PBC Showtime, etc., is that they're really, really stepping on each other's toes when it comes to these women's fights. They're not entirely sure whether or not they want to fully invest in a co-promotion fight. I hope that they fully invest in a co-promotion fight. I want to see fights like Shadeja Green versus Clarissa Shields. And I don't want to hear people saying, oh, but that's across the street. It's still possible. It's still possible. They just have to want to invest in it. They need to invest in it, obviously, it's still up for debate. Like I just said, they're still stepping over each other's toes. They're, they're not really sure what's next for these massive, massive fights between women across the street from one another. I am hoping that they just let all this weird promotional stuff go and just let the women fight. Let them fight. Just let them fight. Co-promote if you have to. Let it go to a purse bit if you have to. It doesn't matter. Just let it happen, y'all. Just let it happen. So, cue the music. Regis Progre, Devin Haney, is now officially confirmed after a whole lot of social media foolishness. Progre's complaining about the Haney's. The Haney's complaining about Progre, telling Progre to shut up and just take the deal. It is now official for December 9th in San Francisco, which means this is a home fight for Devin Haney. This is a major home fight for Devin Haney. You know that people are going to be coming flocking, flocking, in droves to see this man Haney fight. And we know that Regis Progre, he could bring his people out. From the, from the way that things were looking, he could definitely sell some tickets, a lot of tickets. And not no wolf tickets, real tickets. Because that fight down in Louisiana against Zoria, that was great. Uh, of course, the fight itself was not great. But the showing that he had from people in his hometown was amazing. So we know that regardless of of the fact that this is an away fight for Regis program. We still know that he can sell great tickets, put butts in seats for this massive world title challenge. Now, what does this mean for the 140 pound division? Number one, the winner of this fight, regardless of whether or not it's Haney, regardless of whether or not it's program, they have to unify with Teofimo. I'm sorry. Any other fight other than Teofimo Lopez being next is worthless. And I'm telling you that with supreme confidence. It is 3.22 in the afternoon, 9.22.23. And I'm telling you, with supreme confidence, if the next fight is not a unification with Teofimo Lopez, it is worthless. Do not watch it. Because they need to start making moves. When is it going to be time for number one and, one and, two, for number one and number two to fight? When is it going to be time for number one and number three to fight? Not number one and number nine. Not number one and number 15. We need to see the top two in each of these weight classes fight one another. That's why I'm so excited for Devin Haney and Regis to fight. Because Devin is number one in his respective weight class. And Regis, while you can make the argument that Teofimo is number one because he, of him beating Josh Taylor... Regis is arguably number one in the weight division right now. So, we're having number one, the undisputed champion, from five pounds lower, rising up to take the challenge against the number one, five pounds heavier than him. This is a, this is a great fight. 
Now, what does it look like? Imagine this. Imagine this. What does it look like if Devin Haney moves up after vacating all of the titles or being champion in recess, whichever term you want to use, beats Progre, and then has a mandatory against someone that people don't even care about? Obviously, people have to fulfill their mandatory obligations. Yes, I know, I know. And I'm a staunch believer in that. Yes, I support people fighting their mandatories. But, but at 140 pounds, you have Subriel Matias. You have Teofimo Lopez. You have Regis Progre. You have so many people at 140 pounds who you could say, this guy's next, this guy's next, this guy's next. But because of the performance he put on against Josh Taylor, I will repeat this one more time. Because of the performance he had against Josh Taylor, you cannot discount Teofimo Lopez being next in line. You can't. You can't. And I don't see how people are so comfortable in doing that. Because I have seen some people saying, oh, no, regardless of who wins, let's see uh, what offers come in. Let's no, don't wait for any offers. Teofimo is next. Teofimo Lopez is next. That's it. Spinning the block back up to the heavyweights. We got Zile Zhang versus Joe Joyce part two. The second fight between two of the biggest and baddest boys in the heavyweight division. Obviously, this is a UK fight, so it's going to be on a little bit earlier. I'm telling you guys, just be patient. Everything that we've said about the heavyweight division will eventually come to fruition, but we just need to be patient. Right now, we have an interim title fight. We already know who's got those belts locked up. We know Alexander Usyk's got a four belts on his side. We know that Tyson's got one belt on his side. We know that the belts is locked up and who has what belt. This fight is perfect because not only is this a rematch, this is exactly what I said the very first episode that I covered it on. This fight helps clear up the division a little bit. Similar in a way how Usyk and Daniel Dubois cleared up the division. There are so many names at heavyweight saying, I want a title shot. I want my name in the hat. Pick me, pick me, choose me. It's my turn to fight for the belt. But these placeholder fights are taking those names off the list. If you pay attention to the guys that have said, I want a title fight, and watch their last series of fights, Daniel Dubois, he fought Trevor Bryan, picked up the WBA championship in America on Don King Promotions, came back, said, it's my turn. I have a belt now. Regardless of whether or not you want to call me a world champion, you could call me regular champion, you could say paper champion, fake champion, I am still a world champion, and I deserve a shot at the unified titles. Let me have that. Everybody disagreed. They said, oh, man, Daniel Dubois, he's going to get crushed. He's not ready for that. This, that, and the third. When he delivered a shot that arguably could have knocked out Usyk. Let's be real. If that low blow wasn't a quote-unquote low blow, we know that Usyk definitely would have lost. That would have been it. And we would have a new unified heavyweight champion of the world right now. But obviously, that's not the way things went. And we have to deal with the reality that, once again, the belts are locked up. And these fights, these placeholder fights, are helping cross names off the list narrow out names giving people the impression that okay the division it might still be massive there might be so many title contenders out there but the people at the very top the people who are rising up the talented individuals not people who are just fighting journeymen and patting their records up and eventually making their name somewhere guys who have really 
made a statement to the boxing community and not just the boxing community, the public, people such as Jared Anderson are up next. And these fights are serving that purpose. We're putting these guys up next. We're seeing exactly how long they can hang at the top. And if they're going to stick around, they're going to stay. They might as well come up. Let's see what happens. So obviously this fight is happening on the undercard of Richardson Hitchens and Jose Zepeda. But it is still important and I feel that it is worthy of coverage. Number eight, Austin Williams in the 160-pound division versus Steve Rolls. What's going on? Let's talk about it. Because to me, it seems like ammo, he's going back and forth. Because the last guy that he fought was 14-2. and two. Guy prior to that was undefeated. Guy prior to that was 18-2. and two. Guy prior to that was 33-15. and 15. So, like, we're, we're, we're talking about a drastic mismatch in competition at times. And I'm not saying that Ammo isn't a great fighter because I absolutely love this guy. I, if you know me personally, I've spoken very highly of Ammo all the time. It's just that when it comes to certain fighters... Saying yes all the time could sometimes be a little detrimental because you'll see that and you'll be like, well, he's a great fighter. Why is he not fighting the guys at the top? This is something of a situation very similar to Demetrius Andrade. And I really fear that for a lot of people because Andrade is exactly that. He's an amazing fighter, but he hasn't been able to fight the guys at the very top because nobody wants to fight him. Nobody wants to give him a chance. Just now, the fight between himself and David Benavidez just got signed this week. So that tells you just how long it's been since people have finally started to acknowledge him. And he's already nearing just about the tail end of his career. Ammo Williams, he's still got plenty of time left in the game. He's 27 years old. Obviously, a southpaw, like I've said plenty of times prior, I've spoken of him on this show. He is definitely in the position to make something of himself in the 160-pound division. Ranked number one in America, number eight worldwide. There is no reason that no one should want to take this guy on. And Steve Rolls is the exact kind of guy that we need right now. Steve Rolls is someone who, of course, he's had two losses, but he's still in a position to say, you know what? I am not stepping down anytime soon. There's absolutely no reason for me to retire. I'm chilling. I fought Edgar Berlanga. I had a crazy performance, arguably, against Shady Gamhur. There are so many different things that you could say about Steve Rolls that would apply to the situation perfectly. He's had spotty performances, but he's also had knockouts. There have been some times where guys have said, oh man, we don't need guys like Steve Rolls. It confuses me because all of these people, they're taking on tougher competition. Steve Rolls fought Triple G. Does anybody talk about that anymore? Steve Rolls fought Damon Nicholson, who fought Demetrius Andrade, who has fought so many different people. You guys are completely discounting the purpose that fighters like this serve. And it, it kind of is disappointing, but I feel like it's the undisputed, undefeated kind of mindset that people have. People are so focused on keeping their record clean, becoming undisputed as fast as possible, and getting out with the money. People are really fast to devalue you once you start to have losses on your record. But Hey, give it time. All right, everybody. We have just about reached the end of everything I've wanted to speak to you guys about. Unfortunately, we still have a week 
to wait. We've got seven more days. Seven days, everybody. Seven days. Just hang on till we get to the fight that we've all been waiting for. Jamel Charlo versus Canelo Alvarez. It's about time. We've been talking about it all month. We've been talking about it month prior. We've been talking about it the month prior to that. We've just been rolling and rolling and rolling with the hype train. And we're finally at the last stop. Weigh-ins, final press conference, fight night. It's going to be insane. And I can't wait to hear all of you guys' reactions to it. Whether that be the fight, the press conference, all of it, please talk to me. I want to hear how you feel. Let me know what's up at Salty Blistex or make sure you hit the DQ with the Monty website to voice your opinions. We got the microphone for the people. Use it. All right, everybody. Make sure you enjoy tonight's fights. We got Richardson Hitchens, Jose Zepeda, Gilles Jean versus Joe Joyce, Jessica McCaskill unifying Hopefully, her next fight will be for Undisputed. All right. Everyone, please enjoy more of the episodes that we have on the platform. Make sure you get some boxing in your system this weekend. Don't slack. This is your host, Tigre, Damani. And thank you for choosing this show for your weekly source of boxing, combat sports, lifestyle, news, and analysis. Take care of yourself, and God bless.